0: Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpsett, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, uh, beginning our off-season conversations. Uh, Today, we're going to do a little fun look back, though, at the uh, the 2022 season and take a look at some of the Players of the Year uh, awards that we kind of hand out. And then we're going to dig into our opening conversation about roster evaluations, evaluating our own roster on the offensive side of the ball in this show welcome in
1: yeah this is gonna be um a, a fun little show so um yeah awards this is you know kind of a fun time of year where we get to go and, and really look at the guys that did well um we there's a lot of like critical um discussion over the course of the season guys you know screw things up here or there or, or you know maybe you know, certain guys deserve less playing time so other guys can play more. But on a show like this, it's just all positive. So we get to just go in and talk about who was really good. Um, And that's a fun place for us to be.
0: Yeah. Well, let's start with offense. I think we've got the Offensive Player of the Year award. Uh, Maybe we should be saving that for last, but whatever. We got to hold on to our listeners. And uh, so let's do this one right off the top. Um, What do you've got?
1: So for offensive player of the year, I've got DK Metcalf. Um, Nice. Guy was the focus of defenses every single week this year, still put together an incredible season um, and led the team with 1,048 yards, had six touchdowns, 90 catches, um, despite being double teamed on almost every play, just a fantastic year for him. Yeah. And
0: had an outstanding wildcard game. Um, Yes, he did added to those totals, which is, which is crazy, man. That was a guy that played consistent throughout. I thought he showed a little bit more toughness. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think he had a a few slips here and again on his mental toughness. Um, But as he gets older, develops more of a leadership role on this team. I think that will um, just naturally progress to the next level. But no one can argue with how tough he is on the field, making uh, contested catches, I think more so this year than any other year prior, Um, and really helped um, Geno Smith out as far as uh, just being in that dependable player year, uh, week in, week out, along with Tyler Lockett, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Both players had similar stats. I thought both players um, had similar impact, Uh, but DK Metcalf was just a little bit ahead. I actually went with Geno Smith, um, Offensive Player of the Year. Now, you could have looked at uh, Tyler uh, Lockett. You could have looked at uh, Ken Walker, uh, the third for this, and Geno. I think all three or four of those players that we just talked about uh, could have been in this this conversation. But Geno Smith, to me, played at such a higher level than we expected, uh, not only for him and the franchise, but also league-wide. Um, and took some, some numbers that went beyond where Russell Wilson was as a franchise quarterback, as far as, um, completions, yards, completion percentage, et cetera. No one expected that out of Geno Smith this year. And without Geno Smith, um, there's no DK Metcalf in this conversation. Uh, he really did make the offense, um, this year ended up uh, being ninth in the NFL and scoring. Which is just a, a tribute, I think, to him.
1: Yeah, especially given how awful the uh, run game was in the middle of the season um, and the interior offensive line just giving up pressure um, right up in, in his face way too often. Like the fact that this offense worked at the level that it did ninth overall. Um, that's crazy. Like that was, that's a fantastic year for him.
0: Yeah. All right. How about the defensive side, Keith? Defensive player of the year for you.
1: Defensive player of the year, I went with Natchi Um, Led the team, tied with nine and a half sacks. Um, ta- and led the team for tackles for loss. Just was constantly in um, the backfield and making life hard for offenses. And on a, on, a, on a team where he wasn't getting a lot of help and was constantly getting chipped by running backs and tight ends, Um, He still managed to have an impact in every game.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you take a look at the um, 12 tackles for losses, uh, the quarterback hits, the 26 when he wasn't getting there, he was making an impact. You talk about a guy that um, was um, a free agent signing, you know, and to have that work out at one of the most uh, important positions in football and especially for this young defense who had a lot of young players and struggles throughout the year to have that consistent presence, something you could build on into the future and, and to get him at it. What is it? 10, $12 million uh, cap number um, mm-hmm. was, was one of the better values out of this season. I thought uh, for any position group, I had him as my uh, defensive player of the year as well. I thought he impacted every game. He was available in every game, uh, which, which is great. Um, and so that was, that seemed like a pretty easy choice. Um there were a couple other players. I mean, you could have looked at uh Quandre Diggs came on at the at the back half of the year. Daryl Taylor came on at the back half of the year, ended up with nine and a half sacks. Um, Jordan Brooks again was a top tackle leader before he went out injured. Um so, but, but really this guy Darryl, is the the guy that impacted the game the
1: most. Daryl Taylor had um nine and a half sacks, same as Nuwasu, but he had 13 quarterback hits, which is half of what Nuwasu did. And then when you look at tackles for a loss, um, he had eight, Nuwasu had 12. Like, Nuwasu just had more impact on all the games. And then you look yeah. for, at overall tackles, um, 26 for Taylor, 66 for Nuwasu.
0: You know, what's, what's even crazier to me is you do this in a kind of a, in a vacuum. I mean, Nuchenne Nuwasu was really doing a lot of this by himself. Uh, our, we had very poor line play. You, you take a look at individual performances like Shelby Harris and Puna Ford and stuff and Al Woods, but quite frankly, you put that whole group together, it was one of the poorest groups in the NFL. And, mm-hmm. and New wants to be able to do this without really any help. Nobody on the other side helping him out, take double teams and so forth. He was doing it. Plus setting the edge, one of our better run defenders on the edge when we really didn't have anything else. And yeah. so... um, yeah, he was clearly the guy for me. Next category, um go back to Rookie, the offense.
1: Rookies of the year.
0: Rookies of the year. I you know, it's there were a couple contenders for me on offense. Ken Walker uh, is obvious one of the one of the top contending rookies of the year uh, options out there nationally, not just with this team. And um and then you take a look at the offensive tackles. Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. I went with tackle Abe Lucas as my offensive rookie of the year. Started out with low expectations, a third round draft pick, came in, earned that starting spot right away, Uh, started virtually every snap uh, minus a game, I think, um, where he had uh, a hurt ankle and really just did a nice job, more or less. Wore down a little bit at the end of the season, came on, played well, I thought, in the last game. Um, against some really stiff competition, um, on the 49ers defense, especially in the first half, where they really just kind of gave Gino all the protection that he needed. Um, Abe Lucas.
1: No, I think that's a great, uh, a great pick. I, uh, Lucas at the beginning of the year, the first six, seven games was one of the top tackles in the NFL, not top rookie tackles, not top right tackles, but top tackles. Um, his play kind of fell off a little bit. I think the long season, he's used to a, uh, an 11 or 12-game season, and I think 17 and then 18 with the playoffs was a little much um, for his rookie year. And also with the ankle injury, he seemed to slow down a little bit. Um, Cross kind of did the other thing. He was started out, wasn't as good early on, but then got better as the season wore on. But ultimately, I went with Walker because Walker is a... Um, rookie of the year candidate league wide and you look at his stats he didn't get to play much behind um, Rashad Penny at the beginning of the year but still ended up with uh, over a thousand yards nine touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, 4.6 average and that was with an offensive line you know like the interior center and, and right guard that overall was poor mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and still managed to um, start. yeah so, so 11 starts and over a thousand yards. I mean, those, those are uh, tremendous stats. So uh, I, I went with Walker. I thought he was, um he was huge because when we're running, when he wasn't there, the couple of games in the middle, um, the offense didn't work. And when they couldn't get him going because the offensive line was bad, the offense didn't work and Gino couldn't carry it by himself. He needed Walker and Walker was up to the task almost every week. So it's um, unfortunate
0: that uh, they stopped running the ball against the 49ers because in the first half he was doing really well, um, Mm -hmm. ended up with 65 yards. I thought they were pretty effective running the ball. Um, They weren't getting a huge chunk plays, but they were getting consistent push uh, against that defense, which is exactly what they needed to do. And then uh, after San Francisco scored 14 points on them back to back in that you know, third quarter, early fourth quarter, it was over and, and he didn't really even see the field, you know, touching the ball after that. So I agree with you on all those points. Um, really an impactful player. It's going to be a future, uh, player for the Seahawks, a foundational piece that they can build around and, um, and add to, okay. Uh, defensive rookie, uh, to me, this is just a no brainer
1: yeah there's there's one there's one choice available and now there were a bunch of rookies who played on on defense, but there's one that was head and shoulders above everybody else. In fact, he was the best player on the entire defense.
0: Yes, he was
1: well, with Nuwasu was up there too. I mean he was our defensive player of the year, but um other than Nuasu, there's there's a, one of the rookies who was the best player.
0: Is Nuwasu even sniffing the pro Bowl though at his position? No, but Drake no. Wollen. Tariq He's one of the ends. best corners in the NFL now. Yeah, he is. And shuts um, down one side of the field.
1: Yeah, just absolutely. And a guy we had no expectation for in year one because he was a fifth-round pick, came out of University of Texas, San Antonio, UTSA. Um, and uh, we, we expected, okay, we knew the athleticism, but it's going to take him at least a year to like learn how to play the position well enough to be an impactful player in the NFL level. And it took him one week of preseason where he was had, where he struggled. And then after that, it's been nothing but good coming from him.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's great to have, have this player uh, under contract and into the future um, for the Seahawks uh, because shutting down one side is really important. It's a foundational piece. I talked about it on the other side with Ken Walker. This is definitely a piece that the Seahawks can build around on the defensive side of the ball for years to come. Where would this um,
1: defense have been without him? That draft pick. Uh,
0: Defense was awful.
1: The defense was awful already. (laughs) And then now you take away, (laughs) right? You take away like one of the few bright spots on the defense. And
0: yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been just one more thing that we would have had to have solved this mm -hmm. offseason. But now that's taken care of, which is great. Yeah.
1: Okay. We're
0: going to get into the crystal ball stuff now. Um, Talk about the future a little bit um breakout player for 2023 Keith on offense.
1: Um Jerick Young. Guy has um same same. same. Couple, really? Yeah. I thought I was going I thought I was reaching and and was going to surprise you with this one. He only had a, he had a couple catches, uh had a carry um had a bunch of special teams plays, got a chance, to, you know, at the end of the season to to get out there a little bit more. Um but the guy is big. At 6'2", he runs like DK Metcalf, um, looked like he was going to be a, a dependable player in the preseason uh, in terms of his ability to get open, but he couldn't catch the ball. He dropped everything, and that's why he ended up on the practice squad um, and then he ended up on the, on the, um, the roster after a couple weeks. But uh, he looks primed to yeah. take a big step, be that third receiver that they've needed. Um, he's got the speed, the athleticism, and he started catching stuff at the end of the year. So... Uh, I think that he's set up to be a major impact player next year.
0: The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go to place for the wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can pay just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good. Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I I agree on all those things. You know, it's funny, I think last year uh, we did this and um our breakout player for the future was I think I believe it was Kobe Parkinson. And I we kind of hit on that because Kobe came out this year after catching I think a, a high of 3 three receptions the year prior came out with 25 receptions this year and they really used him. Uh, had some great catches, good first down pickups, uh red zone targets. Now and again, I think that they can improve upon that. He could be a contender next year if he was double his production, which is possible. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he does absolutely. have that much upside. Um, but I think um, Derek Young is the obvious choice here on offense as far as a player that we just haven't seen yet um, to be able to make that jump in year two, um, which is a great opportunity for him. Um, we don't know exactly what the 6 you're going to do with that third wide receiver, but I don't necessarily think he needs to be the third wide receiver in order to have a huge impact. If you're that fourth wide receiver, I think you're going to be in there enough plays where he could have 25, 30 receptions next year and have some of those being high impact, maybe yards after catch kind of a guy. Um, Tariq Young would be, would be a guy that's at the top of my list for somebody that could break out. Um, and it would be a welcome addition for this offense, because while we did have the ninth best offense scoring offense in the NFL, you, there were things on the table there that I think were, were still available that we didn't use. And he Mm -hmm. was one of them. And I just don't know that he had the trust yet of Geno Smith or offensive coordinator, uh, Shane Waldron yet, but I think it's, it's earned now. And next year, I think he's ready.
1: So, um, you mentioned, uh, Colby Parkinson as this year's breakout player, um, you know, looking backwards, <clears throat> I'd give you a different name. If I had to say, I'd say DJ Dallas, um, he had 186 rushing yards, was the second running back on the team for most of the year, threw in 126 receiving yards, plus kickoff returns, plus punt returns, ended up with fourth on the team with 684 combined yards, um, in a fairly limited role.
0: Yeah. And and, and that's why I was thinking, okay, I guess Parkinson and Dallas were kind of almost equals in that respect as far as limited roles. Um, But I agree. I think Dallas had some impactful plays, especially down the stretch uh, where we, I think both of us thought maybe he could be a guy that you could have in a conversation next year as being a running back. Number two, Mm -hmm. I still don't think so though. I think that, the team goes out and finds somebody as equivalent as say a Rashad Penny, um, to, to balance that out a little bit. Cause I just don't know if Dallas is the guy that's going to be your dependable, you know, second on the team in in Russia's kind of a running back. I just don't see that.
1: No, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on that. So, uh, but I just, I, I, when I started looking at stats and I saw the combined yards that he was fourth on the team. um, And especially since we, you know, there was a lot of talk of, of Travis Homer, cause he was going to return punts and going to be the third down back and all of that. And he was 12th on the team um in combined yards, even Godwin, uh, he, um mm-hmm. had more than him by almost a hundred yards. So, um, yeah, definitely, um, you know, Dallas had more combined yards than guys like Noah Fant.
0: Which... You know, what's really bleak for me is that we're not having a conversation at all about a player. When may, and maybe this was our breakout player in 2022, D. Eskridge. And just nothing. There's just nothing. And that's two years in a row where injury has greatly impacted his ability to see the field as well as when he's available. He's not utilized, and he mm-hmm. can't get open. he's not demanding the ball um as a weapon um because the team just can't afford to keep him off the field or there's no conversation around that at all. He's just void of conversation, which is a sad thing for a second round
1: draft pick well and it, it it's made in it's made worse by the fact that they there was the player they didn't take right the one that seemed it, obvious and then when they they handed in the ticket and it wasn't um you know the center that ended up with the rams um yeah. and we're like okay we'll see where this goes and it's gone absolutely nowhere it's, how, been just
0: how much of an impact do you think that that pick and lack of pick picking the right player in 2021 impacted the 2022 draft and may impact this next draft
1: Oh, I think a lot, because if they had, um, I mean, in terms
0: of philosophy,
1: if they had, yeah, because when they, when they didn't, when they went, went weapon over offensive line like trenches, um, and then they turned around and were awful in the trenches that they really, it really made it obvious. And then what did they do? They came back last year for, for this season and drafted the two rookie tackles that we can't stop talking about. Um, which they needed to do. Um they needed to invest in the offensive line and they finally did and it paid huge dividends. Um they ne- they recognized that getting, you know, this weapon uh, um receiver that you know is a gadget player yeah. um wasn't going to have impact on wins and losses the way that winning in the trenches would. And I think that it was a it was kind of a, a turning point for uh, roster building ph- uh, philosophy with this organization
0: Agreed and we're talking about Creed Humphrey. If,
1: that's the name. <laughs> some, I was like if somebody doesn't um, know. Yeah. I I was yeah, like yeah, all the pro, center. All Pro Center. Yeah. <laughs> all Pro Center both his both years whereas Eskridge yeah. has yet to has barely seen the field. Okay. Um, defensive so, breakout yeah, de- player.
0: defensive breakout players for 2023, if you were to forecast, who's going to make the most impact that's
1: currently on the roster? Um, that would have to be a breakout player. So someone who you can't use woolen cause he already broke out. Um, I'm going to go with Boye maffe um, wasn't utilized much early in the year. Kinda, they had to earn his way onto the field, um, ended up being impactful down the stretch. Uh, and in the playoffs, um, certainly has the talent to do it. And as he gets better in terms of play recognition and all of that, he's going to be on the field more. I think he's going to have a big year next year.
0: Yeah, stat-wise, he really didn't end up with a lot. He played in all 17 games, but only three starts overall, had 41 combined tackles, um, three tackles for loss, four quarterback hits. I think he was in there for, I'm just, I'm trying to look for sacks, had three sacks. Mm -hmm. Um, You're right, he could be a guy that could have uh, nine sacks next year. I mean, Easy. really, if he, if he learns the position, if he really does his due diligence in the off season, he's already came in as a better edge setter than the team thought um, this season. And uh, if he can add to that, plus add better players around him, which we mm-hmm. intend to do and invest in, he's a kind of a guy that could benefit to having better players around him. And yep. so that is definitely thing. the other guy that could have a uh, benefit from other players around him, especially on the defensive line is a guy like Kobe Bryant. And that's my pick. Um, played well in spurts this year, had some forced fumbles. That was a nice thing to, to have on a team that didn't have a lot of generated turnovers on defense. He was a bright spot there. Um, lacked in coverage at, at some points, but he was also learning to play that slot um, cover position um, in the nickel spot for the the ox defense so he was on the field a lot impacted games in that respect but i think you know he understands the position better he's this is the type of thing that i think that pete carroll was talking about at his end of season press conference we've got some players we've got a foundation uh, unit now guys mm-hmm. are going to be able to learn uh they won't even be able to to they don't even know how much they don't know right now That they're going to be able to learn in the offseason get into the weight room um study film all year, study themselves and come back and just be completely different players next year. And I think Kobe Bryant has got the opportunity to have a a, a leap next year in play. Um, Primarily benefiting, I think, from a better front seven in front of him. because when you don't have that, you have a lot of leakage, you have a lot of coverage gaps, you have a lot of missed assignments because players, you know, So it makes Kobe Bryant's job even more difficult, especially as a rookie, when you're just kind of winging it half the time. Um, And next year, he won't be winging it so much. He'll be playing within the scheme and playing, uh, I think, tighter in coverage and and potentially being a turnover generator beyond forced fumbles, being a guy that can intercept passes, I think would be a good
1: jump for him. Um, Interestingly, he was fifth on the defense, fifth in tackles um, with 70. Yeah. Right. Brooks, Barton, Jackson tackler. and Diggs are the only ones with more. Um he was a good tackler. Um he also ta- got a lot of tackles because his guy caught the ball and then got tackled <laughs> by him. Um so there there there's both sides to that. He but on he also came up and played screens well. He
0: um had a couple sacks. T- yeah, had it
1: and it, it did some great things. He was a solid tackler uh, on top of it, but I found found it really surprising that he was uh, fifth on the team in tackles, and not uh, a guy like Nuosu, who was seventh. And um, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's it, I just so leaks, that
0: leaks in coverage, but also a lot of leaks in the front seven, oh, where wow. he was having to make tackles behind the yeah. line of scrimmage on run plays. Um, okay, the last category is just kind of a speculative one, obviously, but interesting that we're going to go into the offseason uh, conversation about uh you know salary cap and and restructures and all that stuff uh current 2023 contract player contracted player that won't be back in 2023
1: yeah players who are on the roster for next year but won't be on the roster by the end of the off season um do you want to go offense or defense first
0: well i didn't i didn't break it down i just put one one name but i'll i'll go first and i put shelby harris um shelby harris is a fine player got a uh, defensive, uh, line player, um, that we received in the trade for Russell Wilson from the Denver Broncos and was a consistent player played all year. Um, but I think, I think the team can improve there. And especially for his number, his contract number, I think he's due 12 or $13 million cap hit with almost all of that non-guaranteed in 2023. That's why he's a candidate to either be restructured or cut um, for the team to have more cap flexibility into the, into the new year, but they have to replace him, So it's either Shelby Harris or it's a guy like Shelby Harris coming back in.
1: Yeah. I, um, I thought when Shelby Harris, there was a couple of games in there where he didn't play and it was clearly noticeable. The, uh, the defensive line, which um, was already bad, was just worse. Bad, when it was worse um and I know that he wasn't like you you look at he wasn't like impactful in that oh when he was there he was dominant or anything like that but he uh did his job which you can't say is true about the other guys so i I would be sad to see him not there but I do understand where where you're coming for because wow. 44 co- um tackles yeah and he had the same stats. numbers
0: that boy maffe had and maffe started three games and, and Harris started 15.
1: Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so and given given the price tag like I I can see it. Um I'm going to go on the defensive side and I'm going to give you a name which I know you're going to disagree with. Um Jamal Adams. Because huge massive cap hit. And yes, if they cut him like right at the start of the season, he um uh, they would actually cost more against the cap to not have him than have him. But they can cut him at, in the June first uh, window and uh, save eleven million in cap. And honestly, um, Ryan Neal's the better player of the two. Is he the more athletic? No, but he's better in coverage um, and he's just a more complete player. He's the better player. They're better off with Ryan Neal out there than Jamal Adams, and and for a fraction of the cost. Uh, Ryan I Neal in a second.
0: Ryan Neal, if we uh, he's a restricted free agent. And Either. if we retain him, uh, at a second round tender, um, his salary would be just north of $4 million a year, which is a much better, better value for his play the type 24. of player that he is.
1: than 24. The, and, and with
0: the savings, I mean, you combine the savings you, you're getting, you know, an additional opportunity to add a couple of different, uh, really good solid contributors to your, to your team with that salary and you and you choose to move on from a player that hasn't shown you that you can stay consistently um injury free and and have an impact on your team and that's really what it's all about it's not about jamal adams the player or the ability to play at a higher level it's about the ability to be available and at that number
1: it's more than just availability because jamal adams does some things great and he is a a very impactful player in certain ways but he's also got
0: he's a luxury uh, though for this defense
1: he is and he's got some deficiencies in areas where the team can't afford for him to have deficiencies and that's why ryan neal's just a better fit his ability to cover especially cover some of the league's top tight ends mattered this year um and if you've got jamal adams in there you're not getting that um so Ryan Neal, I, I think he's the better player overall and um, within Seattle's needs. And you're going to get him at 4 million instead of 24 million. Like, I, I think this, I know people say I'm crazy, but I think it's, I think this is a done deal. Like if I think the team already made this decision, <clears throat> they're just waiting to uh, implement would, it. You
0: would basically cut him uh, with a June 1st designation and then uh that, that, that cap number wouldn't become available for the Seahawks until June 1st, but they could cut him prior. They could cut him tomorrow with the June 1st designation. But the the, the key would be the ability when you do that to spread his cap number over two years. So you would Mm -hmm. spread his number, which is quite substantial. If you were just to cut him, it wouldn't make any sense. But the June 1st designation allows you to spread that over two years, 2023, 2024 contract seasons. You'd have a dead cap number that's substantial, but less than the overall savings. That's how yeah. That so
1: work. they, yeah, they would end. They'd end up um, recouping eleven million dollars of cap room, which they could then turn around and and get used on a guy like Shelby Harris, um, or Gino Smith. Or Gino Smith. Um, although Gino going to make more than eleven million, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, so I went. I, I, I just. How about offense? Is there uh, anybody off- on
0: offense that <laughs> is currently under contract that you don't expect to be back for the season?
1: Um, looking at this, I, there were two players that I assumed were under contract. That seemed pretty obvious, but then now I'm not as, so sure that they're under contract and I need to look it up, but they would be, um, Austin Blythe center and Gabe Jackson, the right guard, mm-hmm. both of which have to be replaced this off season. Mm-hmm. They, neither one of them belongs. Um, uh, out there next year. Neither one of them earned a um, a roster spot going forward. Their play was just not up to uh, standard. And if either of them is under contract, which like I said, I, in my head, I thought both of them were, but maybe they're not. Um, those are, are the guys that uh, have to be replaced. Well, um, Austin Blythe,
0: I don't believe, is under contract. Gabe Jackson is. Jack Jackson um you would have a savings of six point five million dollars with a dead cap um, money amount of four point seven so he's due his his cap hit is eleven point two six next year but you could save six point five if you cut Gabe Jackson um I agree with that I think that that's likely um there's really nobody else i I don't think that you would have to, you would have to adjust on the offensive side. Um, you know, players like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, will disley have the highest cap numbers on offense currently. And none are really susceptible to moving on from, I don't believe. All right. So let's shift this conversation. We're we're into this episode, but it's okay. This is the off season. We can have a longer episode. That's fine. Let's shift this thing to the roster evaluation part of the show where we go through the position groups and we just talk about where, we're, where we stand, where players are gonna be uh, moving forward, uh, if we want to uh, build the, the team around them or we're gonna move on or um, players that have their contracts run out that we won't uh, have back. So let's start with the quarterback, Keith. What do we do at the top? Geno Smith, Drew Locke, both not under contract and you're on mute by the way. <clears throat>
1: Uh, both players are not under contract, and uh, honestly, um, Drew Locke never saw the field, and I think the team preferred it that way. I think he's gone. He's he's off, um, and they're going to replace him with a rookie, whether it be the fifth overall pick or someone later, but they're they're going to be developing a quarterback. Um, I 100% expect Janus Smith to be back. I also expect him to be back for less than what – people are thinking because a lot of people are thinking 30 million I'm thinking 18 Um is probably his cap number next year. And uh but he'll be back to be the bridge quarterback to a rookie and whether that's CJ Stroud or Will Levis or someone else, I, they're going to get their future. Uh, I really think they're going to, they're going to do that. And, um, but I the, agree
0: with I agree with you on all those points except for the contract number with Geno. I think that's probably going to come in at closer to 24. I think if you take a look at the round of the league and you say you value Geno Smith as the 10th best quarterback in the league or even if it's the 12th, you go take a look at the contract values of those players. It's going to be right in, the, in that ballpark as far as a starter in the NFL. A starter take every snap for the Seahawks, that's valuable as well. The the level of play when you surround him with a better team and a better defense. I think that that contract value is there for him. I think there's other teams that would be interested because of the restricted uh, uh, availability of free agents in the offseason. You mentioned a few names, but after those dry, uh, are gone off the market, that, that market there is really not very strong. is one of the stronger names available in free agency. You need to wow. go look at the draft. There's only a limited amount of starters out of this draft at the top of the draft, three or four, maybe. And if you don't get one of those, and there's more teams that need quarterbacks than everything we just talked about. I think Gino's number goes up a little bit higher than what we think.
1: I see. I don't, I, the re part of the reason why I think it's going to be lower is because the teams that need quarterbacks have other options this year, which they don't, don't normally have. Like usually the quarterback market in free agency is empty, Well, this year you're going to have uh Derek Carr available. You're going to have um, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo available. So, you're going to have guys, which I think um, have more value because of age um, than than Geno Smith does.
0: Okay, so what we're saying though is we haven't settled this um, position mm-hmm. group at all, and and that needs to be solved in the next. No, nope. uh, yeah, there's month nobody, or under,
1: so. nobody under nobody uh, under contract, and so they're going to have to do they're going to have the the position group is going to be reworked. Like even if Gino's back, it's going to be on a new contract. He's going to have a new backup. It's going to be a new battle for um, who's going to start next year. This is one
0: of the larger conversations we'll have all off season until Gino's back. And even after Gino's back, depending on the number, we'll be talking about it in the draft because it's definitely going to be an option available to the Seahawks at pick number five. Now, whether they take it is a different story, but it's going to be there and we'll be talking about it. All right, running back. We've got under contract, uh Ken Walker. And then um after that is is DJ Dallas coming back. If I didn't look at the number right before I started talking about running backs. Um,
1: he, is, he is under contract next year, um yeah. with a cap number of one point one million.
0: Yeah, and then after that, that's it. Yep. So there's nobody left. Penny's not coming back, Homer's not under contract. Um, so it's just Dallas and Walker, obviously that position is going to need to be addressed. But what we have is is has turned out to be very good. Dallas had a better year. I don't think he's the answer for a, a number two running back as the team wants to run the ball as much as Seattle does and do it well. I just think it's lacking enough there where Seattle goes out and explores free agency and or the draft.
1: Yeah, free agency is not a place to find a running back. It never has been. It's never going to be. Um, they need to do it in the draft. But... I would say that uh, Rashad even, Penny even coming... for number two guy? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. It's because you're getting someone with not a lot of tread left on the tires and is going to be injury prone. And you can see that all around the league. You just aren't going to find very many guys on their second team that do well at running back. Um, you know, Williams in Detroit's probably the one exception. But... um I would say don't discount Rashad Penny coming back on a massively Mm -hmm. reduced contract because who else in this league is going to give him anything uh, given where he's at and how many injuries he's had. I could see him coming back to Seattle for, you know, veteran minimum or just above just for an opportunity to try and rebuild his value. I agree. uh,
0: I agree. And I don't think, you know, Seattle is not prohibited from doing that. And I think they do do that even with that um, understood. I still think Seattle goes out <clears throat> beyond that because obviously there's been uh, four f- what is it five straight seasons now Rashad Penny has been impacted by injury and not completed a season so Seattle can't afford to invest heavily in Rashad Penny and expect him to be there now having him there is a bonus um, for a, a veteran minimum or slightly oh. more, but yeah. you've got to be able to solve that problem and DJ Dallas is not the answer he's part of the he's part of the solution but he's not the answer um, ken walker needs more than that and i think the team goes out and, and addresses that in the draft
1: yeah i, I could see it but then i could also see them looking at i'm like okay if ken walker is the guy and not um rashad penny and then you don't have to expect for penny uh penny to get 20 touches a game which is what he was doing at the beginning of the season um then maybe he doesn't get hurt as quite as quickly and um dude sometimes or, he can't even
0: make it out of camp i mean let's be uh, yeah. real
1: i'm just saying like you have a they i could see the team doing that and saying you know and we've got dallas who made a major strides this year if he makes major strides again this next off season he could you know i, I could see them. i could see them making that choice and going into the season with those three
0: let's talk about tight ends Noah Fant, will disley colby parkinson all under contract they extended Noah Fant's fifth year option so, the team will be mm-hmm. paying him quite a bit of salary next year. Will Disley signed a deal. big part of his salary comes kicking in this this season, pretty darn close to ten million a year. Kobe Parkinson's still under the rookie contract um so we don't necessarily need to completely add a quality player um unless they decide to move on from one of those three. I don't see that happening. I think they could bring back the same group and and run it into twenty
1: twenty three yeah um, and don't forget uh Tyler Mabry who made the the active roster, he's been, been around the team forever as a practice squad guy, but he made the active roster at the end, caught a touchdown. Um, they really like him as a blocking tight end. It's someone that they can depend on in a lot of different ways. And I think he is also going to stick around. And uh, whether or not he makes the roster out of camp again, um, you know, it's going to depend on if one of the other guys gets hurt. But if one of the other guys does get hurt, it's nice to have that option sitting there, that a that, uh, guy that they trust.
0: So the interesting thing about the wide receiver group is there's only three or four guys under contract, and everyone else that we're going to talk about is just available or or mm-hmm. was on the roster a little bit. So Tyler Lockett, DK Medcalf, obviously. Um, Derek Young under the rookie deal last year. He's got um a couple more seasons to go there. Dwayne Eskridge as well. Um, and then a player like Bo Melton um was on the practice squad. So I think that voids his contract, right? So he's mm-hmm. he needs to be re signed.
1: Yeah, he's, he's an exclusive rights free agent, meaning he cannot negotiate with another team unless Seattle releases him. Uh, to go do so, they get they they can get him for the, the he, his only option is to sign a minimum contract for a second year player,
0: yes, which which is crazy. Okay. Um, and that's it. And then there's a bunch of other guys, uh, Laquan Treadwell, they signed at the you know, uh, Cade Johnson. Uh, Kevin Casas, Cody Thompson's been around forever, uh, was injured. Um, and then Marquise Goodwin obviously signed a one-year deal. Um, mm-hmm. Team would have to make a decision there. So really the cupboards are empty. I think most, mostly in the, at the wide receiver position, it's a position that not everyone's th- thinking about as far as the 2023 need, but I'm telling you, they're going to address this position in the draft.
1: They have to, You've you've got two guys, you've got, Lockett and Metcalf. Now, those two guys are both elite players. They're both top fifteen receivers in the league, um, which is why people think of Seattle as having being set at receiver. But what's behind them? Um, The best player behind that group that's currently under contract is Derek Young, who had what two receptions total? (laughs) Um, And now, and you just can't
0: you can't depend on just your top two players to be healthy forever. Yeah, Um, Seattle's got to develop talent behind them.
1: And so um, do they bring Goodwin back? I don't know. Maybe he um, he made some plays, did some things, also struggled to be healthy and, and make plays down the stretch. So that's part of it. Um, you know, D. Eskridge has proven to be the Rashad Penny of wide receivers. He's not a guy that I would depend on for anything other than um, taking up a spot on injured reserve. And that's it. There legitimately isn't anything else. They need... Um, a mid round draft pick, someone that they believe can come in and um, make an impact, you know, get 25, 30 cut, uh, catches. And they probably need to sign a free agent, um, whether that be bringing Goodwin back or, you know, finding someone else. But it's there, there, there's going to be a couple of adds to this position group this offseason.
0: All right. This is the fun conversation for you in the trenches center guard yes. tackle. Um, we had we exceeded expectations in a couple different ways here, but we also fell short. Um, and we knew we were going to struggle in, in one of these spots just because of the player and Austin Blythe, and, and that was the only solution that we had going into the season. How do they address this position this year? Where do you
1: think we stand overall as a position group? Um, as a position group for the offensive line, there are some things to like, They're they're really set at tackle. Um, with uh Forsyth and Curran as the backups, the two rookies that started um they're they've got four guys that can flat out play at tackle, and that's why I still think that um Curran as a guard is gonna happen at some point because it kind of fits there um Gabe Jackson's under contract i he won't be he was bad this year, and he's got a huge cap number next year um of eleven. 0.2 million for the guy that was the worst well blythe was the worst offensive lineman on the um that, that played but um jack we just talked second. about the fact
0: that we could save close to seven million dollars if he was cut
1: yeah and um he's a guy that a year ago he was the best offensive lineman on the team which said more about the rest of the offensive line than it did about him although he did play well but his he played worse last year than he did the year before um, with the Raiders, and he played worse this year than he did last year. He's clearly on in decline. He's going to be gone. Um,
0: I would I would find it interesting if they take this opportunity if he is in fact gone to move Damian Lewis back over to the right side, which I thought he looked better as a rookie. But he came on this year and actually played fairly well at left guard. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think it's it's more of a he has. Um, he has got he has the ability to move back and forth, and so they'll put him in what makes best for the what makes most sense for the rest of the team, depending on who they get um, to replace him. Um, guy that's I'm that's not under contract that I thought was going to be until I you know went through and looked is um, Phil Haynes. He was the third guard, outplayed Jackson for most of the year, but then ended up with a rotation and. And with him and, and you saw his play drop off as the season went on. Um, I bet he probably comes back on a, you know, close to minimum deal, but this is a team that needs, uh, a position that needs work, right? You, you, they need a new starting center, um, because both their starter and their backup are not good. They need a new starting right guard. Uh, whether that be Jake Curran that they move from tackle inside, or they bring in someone else, they need a new one. and. Uh, They need a backup. They need a swing uh, uh, guard, one that can do what Phil Haynes did this year and be available on both sides, which they don't have under roster. So there's a lot of work to be done on the offensive line, even though this is the best the offensive line has looked in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and and I agree on everything you said. Austin Blythe, we've got to upgrade that center spot. I don't think there's a human being that follows the Seahawks, either as a fan or as a reporter or as a blogger that thinks that that's not going to happen. And
1: Austin, Austin Blythe probably (laughs) thinks that, um, (laughs) you know, the team likes Austin
0: Blythe and, and quite frankly, Austin Blythe is a good body type and and center for this scheme. He's just not quite the, the strong enough. Um, I think the team prefers a, a undersized center so that he can get to the second level and move around side to side. Uh, laterally as they spread defenses out. So to me, uh, they're, I don't know that they're going to be looking at a guy in the draft that's 325, 30 pounds as a center that's 6'4 or 6'5, um, like, uh, the, like Brett was, um, mm-hmm. or Unger was before that. I think you're going to be looking at guys that are in the 300 to 308 range, six, three, something like that, longer arms, um, the guy that can can try to battle with Aaron Donald, but nonetheless still gets out into space really well. So an athletic guy, that would be the the optimal thing for for the scheme. Uh, but when you take a look at the draft, the the guys that are heavier, bigger guys, um, kind of uh, power run game centers are available at the, at the top end of the draft. So I think if Seattle is looking, they're they're going to be looking at at those guys. The guy from Minnesota um comes to mind
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but there are some good options at, at guard in the draft and we're going to talk about that extensively both guard and center um i think seattle can upgrade that position out of the draft i think maybe maybe they do one of these two positions in free agency just because it's so critical to the success of their ability to run the ball
1: i could see and, and that i actually agree i think that they, you're probably going to see them do both you're going to see them um draft and sign because it it is that important and you know these guys don't always stay healthy and so you need to be able to um have some different guys that will come in and and compete and be ready to play and and that kind of stuff it's really hard to stay healthy on the offensive line you're just in there pushing on each other with the biggest heaviest guys and if someone steps on your foot in the middle of it you you know end up with a high ankle sprain and have to miss a few weeks so um, I thought it was a, a great
0: sign that Damian Lewis and Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas were able to stay as healthy as they did this year without really a lot behind them. I know we had Jake Kern. We had Stone for I, I You know, Stone came in. I'll be honest. I, he hasn't developed as much as I thought that he would this, you know, by this time. Um, they, you know, he fell in the draft for a reason. And I think that we see some of that. He's just really kind of got slow feet and, and so forth. Big guy. Uh, strong hands, but there's some deficiencies to his game there. So I'm not sure if they're, you said they were kind of set at tackle, and maybe they are, Um, especially for like your fourth or fifth tackle on the roster, Stoneforth.
1: Yeah, because Forsyth is what you're looking for as a swing tackle, a guy that can play both sides competently um, and isn't going to cost a lot because if they were good enough to um, be a starter, they're going to cost a lot. Um, And that's what, so Forsyth is, is what you're looking for. He's good enough to be um, serviceable. Isn't going to cost a lot, can play both sides. He's what, what you want out of a swing tackle. And Curran is a guy with starting experience at right tackle. He's a road grader who can actually, you know, push people. Maybe not the greatest um, pass blocker, but again, he's a backup. So uh, I, I, I think with those four guys, you kind of have what you're looking for. You've got your two high-end starters and your two guys that can play, but maybe are limited, but don't cost anything.
0: Cool. All right. Fun. So yeah, I this, to me, the offense uh, roster evaluation is much easier than the defensive side, which we'll have our next conversation on our next show. Um, clearly we need to upgrade a few different things on offense, but it seems doable. It's not like every position group. It's a couple of select spots and we can add some depth and we're going to be fine. Uh, with regards to the quarterback spot being unique, um, that, that really does need to be addressed and solved. And we don't know exactly how that's going to, um, play out, but after that's done, everything else kind of falls into place on offense On defense. It seems like We have a big conversation because it seems almost everything needs to be evaluated and looked at as far as being upgradable, except for two or three spots. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, interesting conversation. All right, let's get out of here. Um, Thanks for joining us in the off season, three shows a week um, through the, through the draft. And um, it'll be, it'll be a great conversation. If you stick around, find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. You know where the show's at. Hit that subscribe button and share it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at MyersNFL. And the show is at HawksPlaybook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.